Welcome to season one of Writing Around the Kids podcast. We've got a brilliant selection of women writers for you who each week will be telling us about the highs and lows of what it is to be a writer in the world. And they're also going to be reading from one of their books, so it's going to be totally ace. We really hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is the Writing Around the Kids podcast. I'm Anna Jefferson. And I'm Sam Johnson. And we're really delighted to have Zoe Somerville today on our podcast. Hi, Zoe. Hello. Hi. So Zoe is a writer and English teacher. Her debut novel, The Night of the Flood, was published in September 2020 by Head of Use. It's inspired by her home county, Norfolk, and the devastating floods of the 1950s. Her second novel, The Marsh House, set in the same austere landscape of the Norfolk coast, was published in March just recently, and it is about mothers, daughters, and ghosts. Zoe has worked as an English teacher all over the world. She completed a creative writing MA at Bath Spa University in 2016, and she now combines writing and tutoring and is settled in Bath with her family. Hello and welcome. Hello, thank you. Lovely introduction. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> nice to have you. We've got, uh, we keep having uh, flurries of snow. Have you got snow with you today? Oh, we had some yesterday. We haven't had any today. It's really cold though down here. I don't know. I, it's quite sunny though. So yeah. I'm hoping no snow. Yeah, it's not enough for a sledge. It's just yeah, it's you need to put an extra cardi on. Yeah, well, actually, funny enough, of course, the mar- it's quite ideal weather for the Marsh House, though, although not quite enough snow, because this Marsh House is a very snowy novel. So, and it's just been published then. How's it been yes. then? Yeah, brilliant. Um, it's been really good this time. It's been in stark contrast to... Uh, 2020 which was I mean it wasn't entirely locked down when um, I published the first book but it was as um, some of you you know you'll remember it was a weird time yeah. it's definitely during the pandemic and the height of it really and now all the bookshops are open and events are happening yeah so I've been really lucky enough to actually meet readers in person meet book sellers in person talk to people it's been amazing so I, I feel quite buzzy about it this time so have you been um, out and about with the book then have yes in um here in Bath and in Norfolk a lot because of that's where the book's at and where I'm from and I also did one in Hertfordshire uh this week so that was exciting and yeah so I and I've oh and I you know I've been to see other bookshops near here so actually in person so it's been lovely yeah that's really nice um Mm. just uh saying about the weather in the marsh house it would yeah. be great if you could um do a little reading for us so yeah. we can get a flavor of it yeah um should I just uh, talk about the book quickly first it's like yes, um, yeah just to put it into context um the book is um set in 1962 in uh, Christmas um it it becomes the big freeze which was a really really cold winter um uh, famously so um but they don't know that at the time the characters when it when it starts because it's just about to begin and um a young mother Mallory is going to this um house in the countryside in Norfolk with her daughter and it's pretty um uh, run down kind of place which you know and um, that's the bit I'm going to read from Later on, she finds some things in the attic which take her back to the 1930s. And it, it's a dual narrative novel, so 1960s and 1930s. And it's a, um, a bit of a ghost story too. 
Mm. Um, so what I'm going to read is a little bit from um, one of the early chapters. She's arrived at the house um, and it's not what she expected. Brilliant. There were, okay, I'm going to start now. There were no lights. It was a dark presence. Mallory had a sudden crushing sense that she had made a mistake. The house's many small eyes, she counted eight windows at the front at least, were blinded. And in the gloom, the flint and brick face, dull and forbidding. It was the time of day, perhaps. A jutting out porch, concealing the front door, gaped dark like an open mouth. She switched off the engine and nightfall came rushing in. A dog was barking madly from across the lane somewhere. The back of her neck prickled as though she were being watched. She turned to see who it was. She thought something moved in the trees across the lane. Grabbing her coat, she got out of the car to look, but the trees gave nothing away. She tried to remember what the man at the agency had said. Was he supposed to meet her here? It was getting dark. Soon it would be even colder. They had to get inside. There must be a key. Mummy, what are you doing? Franny was standing behind her with the dog in her arms. I need to find the key. Where's the sea? whined Franny. You said it was the seaside. It's nearby, she said. Where would it be under a doormat? There wasn't one. Next to the door was an old terracotta pot. It would be there. It was a rusty old key underneath the damp pot. Her shoulders relaxed. It was going to be all right. The door was a heavy wooden one with a small grubby window and a tarnished knocker in the shape of an anchor, which gleamed dully in the dying light. The long key stuck slightly in the lock and for a horrible moment she thought it wouldn't turn the fluttering of panic came again but she made herself breathe out she tried it again it turned and clicked and the door swung open it was not much warmer inside a smell of dust and age wafted over her there was electricity though thank god she flicked the switch and the pale glow of the old-fashioned brass sconces flickered and shone on the warm carpet low panelling and flowery wallpaper on a dark wood side table with ornate legs was an upright telephone with a separate earpiece, like something from an antique shop. At least they'd entered the 20th century. But further inspection revealed that the house had got stuck some years before. The ceilings were low and beamed and the wallpaper densely covered in a pattern of twisting vines with little yellow flowers and green leaves was peeling at the edges. From the walls came the musty smell of lack of use and damp. And Mallory wondered when the windows had last been opened. She made her way through to the kitchen at the back of the house. It contained ancient cupboards, an old gas range, and a cracked butler sink under a small window. The clouded pane looked out onto a long garden, and Mallory could tell, even in the gloom, that the marsh was just there, beyond a low wall at the end. Tomorrow, they would go to the marsh. They would walk along the paths by the creeks and see the sleek head of seals. I'm hungry, said Franny, standing in the kitchen doorway, still holding the dog, whose muzzle was buried in her duffel coat. And I'll stop there. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. It's all right. Atmospheric. Yeah, the whole book is uh, sort of described as, yeah, it's quite atmospheric. The whole idea is that you're in this um, quite lonely place um, in the middle of winter, literally midwinter actually she arrives on the 21st of december so it's um it's dark early um and it's very cold and it gets uh, gets more cold and uh, more isolated because the snow starts coming and it's a blizzard so the environment around her is uh, becomes quite threatening which is part of the 
<laughs> idea of the book really yeah definitely because both yeah. your books are set in Norfolk aren't they yes and yeah I, they are I know that um that's your home that your home county but in terms yeah. of right like the process of writing them do you have to take many research trips there to find inspiration or do you have to kind of yeah. draw on your it, previous knowledge well funnily enough I was thinking about this today I don't know why I think I was I, I'm not sure I was thinking about this podcast actually because I was thinking you know, I think sometimes writers give the impression that they're always off on these solo trips, aren't they? <laughs> um, you know, a great cast and a great time away from from maybe family, yeah. um, especially if you've got children. And um, that's not always possible. Yeah. And actually, the truth is, I haven't had that many. So I, I, I have... I'm a long way away from Norfolk as well. And let's imagine, you know, you don't know where you're going to base your books on. Your books could be based on uh, anywhere in the world, couldn't they? Or even, you know, somewhere outside this world. So, you, you, you know, to be honest, you have to use your imagination, number one. Number two, I, would use, I use maps, lots of maps. Um, um, I've got my dad gave me loads of maps of Norfolk because he's from there, as am I, but he's yeah. got loads of maps. And then there's absolutely tons of stuff online, yeah. including, um, I mean, so much these days, it's almost too much. But, um, and, and it's kind of finding out, sifting through, isn't it? And finding the right thing. But then also, um, I, I really love photographs. I really love old photographs. So yeah. getting hold of those is really useful. Especially because if it's if it's a historical novel, you need photos of the time. I've d done things like found online. I found an entire account of the nineteen sixty two big freeze that I've then printed off for myself. Really, um, you know, stuff like that, which I didn't even have to go to a library for. And that brings me to my another point. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, belong to my local library. I get loads of books. Uh, I had to research the um, different aspects of the 30s um, and the 60s, especially the 30s, actually. That was the bit I really had to research because um, there's a bit of local history in there. There's a bit of um, stuff about fascism. And so I had to make sure I knew my stuff about that and I used a lot of stuff online but I also use the library because um you can order books to be yeah. got from different places in the uh in your area so most of it is not by going to the place yeah. at all um I did take um gosh it's hard hard to remember now but I did take one trip up in February 2020 actually before <laughs> Before COVID, just before, I took a little trip and I was uh, to, to sort of finish the um, uh, finish a draft of this, actually, to finish the draft of the Marsh House, first draft, and um, not the end, anything like the end. But um, And that was really helpful because I did, I did need to walk around where it was, and that changed a few things. But I did only did one because... Um, and I've done another one for my third book. But, you know, that's not much. I mean, it, in an ideal world, you'd, I'd do loads more. I'd be up there more, much more regularly. But it's a really long way. And, you know, there are other, um, you know, pulls on our time, aren't there? So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I hope like that's a clear that, answer. Yeah, that's brilliant. I feel like you've got <laughs> a little clue as well to book three that that might potentially be set. Oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> Yeah, actually, well, yeah, no, exactly. I, yeah, so it's also Norfolk, and so the, quite, I did um, go in oh, October um, to do a similar thing. Actually, I find 
it was a kind of final push towards the end of the first draft. Actually, that's weird. I, that's maybe it's slightly coincidental, but um, and I wanted to be. I couldn't stay actually. Neither of the times I stayed exactly where the book is set, but nearby. And then I went to visit and made notes, and yeah, just took loads of photos to be honest, and um, thought about the place. But you know that the set, the third novel. I feel like um, I may need to go back nearer the season in which it's set but you know I didn't do that for the Marsh House so you know it's actually very very difficult to spend loads of time um in a in a in a, in a location isn't it it's unless you're writing where you live you know yeah. it's one of those things that you have to use other sources and there are also the other thing I did I've forgotten this bit it's quite important I think um well it depends on what you're writing of course but for me because it's historical fiction I read a lot of um, social history. I read um, people's accounts of their experiences of living uh, at a particular time I happen to be writing about. Yeah. I do that a lot. And um, there's loads of those online, but I've also bought a couple of books um, or I have, again, books from the library. Uh, I really like reading things. So I don't know, let's imagine I'm writing about a servant in um a house in the 20th century sometime I I've got I've read quite a few books um from the point of view or, or talking about servants experiences things like that and then so do you yeah. think historical fiction because mm. I mean it sounds like you do a tremendous amount of research around a subject but in terms of um making sure that it's all correct yeah do you when you're writing, do you have to have done all your research beforehand? Or no. Or write it and then go back and then just fact check afterwards? How do you approach historical fiction? It's a really good question. I don't exactly do the fact checking afterwards. What I kind of do, hmm, I do quite a lot of reading and thinking before in order to get into the era, but not a ridiculous amount. And I usually get to a point where I think this idea is going to go unless I start if if that makes sense, so, uh, you know, I've got, you've got to have a certain level of enthusiasm to start, and it, so I just usually start to get into the voices of the characters, and that's because that takes a while, and then um, I will often in between drafts. No, let me let me let me t explain. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I need to go through the process clearly because no, actually yeah, we're really different bits of it. Yeah, yeah, so I do that first. Do a bit of you know. Quite a bit of reading first to get the general gist, especially if there's a particular topic you need to research. And then I will start. And then as I go, I will be checking things as I go, usually online. Um, quick check. And then you know, with, with notes written, check or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or sometimes not checking because I'm in a flow and writing, check this or whatever, you know, yeah. um, that. Because that, that can be done at any time. It doesn't have to be done so it's, as it you go. Of, it kind of sounds like you're um, more of a pantser type writer. Yes, I am, unfortunately. Yeah. I can't I can't bear... I, I do try and plan, and I've tried because I found the structuring and the writing of the first novel so laborious, yeah. partly because I hadn't planned it enough. But... Um, we're, and I did try to make a plan for this book and I have tried to make a plan for the second book but the plans change <laughs> you know and also and, and also I do I get to a point when I, I don't write really in-depth plans I know some people do really they practically write out the novel and then they write the novel and yeah. I don't do that I really don't I write uh, an outline 
it's probably what I would do. Do you do that on a computer or are you the kind of writer Uh, that if you go into your your space, have you just got post-it notes everywhere? I mean, yeah, does it all kind of, are you very organized? No, not organized. Um, I do most of it on a computer because that's handy. I've got notebooks that I use as well. I I do a lot of notebooks. Yeah, we're a fan of stationery. I do a lot of notebooks. Actually, my husband uses these um, big black moleskins and there he gets i think he gets them free with work or something so yeah. i've got a few of those and they're great cuz they're quite big yeah. and um they're plain and you can write anyway that that's that's my favorite notebook these days but i if you get i i use any old notebook whatever's whatever i get given i often get given them for birthdays and stuff so which is great yeah. <laughs> pens and notebooks always welcome and yeah so i do use a lot of i write a lot of notes and i most of my so called research i don't do that typed i do all that I handwrite a lot of that, um, write notes on 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 um, historical um, facts and and ideas and atmosphere, even you know, just loads of little loads of notes, which I then can't find yeah. when I need them. I, so I'm very disorganised, but hey, it gets that. I get there in the end, sort of. I think I really, I really like that because um, I'm, I'm definitely uh, oh. organised myself, and so I know I can't. We had a panel it, last night. And yeah, was, was very, very meticulous with their, oh. um, their planning and spreadsheets and whatnot. And I was just like, that's just I can't. F- I don't think I can make no. it work it that way. The the um, per- the people that uh, I find really. Um, hard to understand but also I really admire people who have like a filing system and they really file and actually I really do think I don't know at some point in my life I may do this but it would be so against me who I am but I love the idea of filing like notes for different specifically for historical stuff different eras or maybe different um all different ideas different oh topics Oh my god! Because you, I come across things for totally different bits that would be useful yeah. in another novel or something. But yeah. oh, of course, I then lose it. So I think it's that no. kind of, that um, the other version of you in a different universe. I well, think, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. Version, that version of I think all of us is super organized. Yeah, has, yeah. You know, meal plans for the week ahead. Oh no! Yeah, well, I'm, it's all happening. Not I do it. I definitely. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. That is as, exactly as you say. It's like a totally different, a parallel, a parallel, a better version. I, I'm i not like that. And I, I, I sort of career from trying to be really organised and yeah. making quite a lot of notes and then actually writing, oh, and I've got better at this, actually writing down where I got the info from because yeah. I've started to think, gosh, I actually need to, you know, reference some of this stuff because yeah. if I've actually got a fact from a book, it's where, um, you know, it's important that at some point I say what, you know, at the back of the book, I need to say what I've read. But, you know, honestly, I have to trawl through my notebooks to get that info. And then you read historical fiction for pleasure as well, then. So, it's yeah, like to be read pile. Is that all historical fiction or what? Kind no, of no. It? Oh, God, no. No, I read loads of different kinds of books. I mean, historical fiction I, it's such a huge, um, it's not really a genre, I almost think. It's, it's such a huge thing. I mean, anything that's historical is pre 90s, apparently, these yeah. days. Yes. So, you know, that's mind boggling because that's obviously our, well, it's my youth. I think it's yeah, your, you guys as well. Yeah. yeah. So that to me, it? yeah, it I makes you feel really old, but also it makes you think that's rubbish. That's not historical. So, <laughs> um, 
you know, I, 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 it's such a huge, and my books have so far anyway, only been 20th century. So, well, I, there's, to me, there's historical, historical, really old and slightly more recent. And it just, you know, they are historical because they're writing about a time, but actually they're other things too. But yeah, where were you going with, oh, what do I read? Yeah, I do like historical fiction, but I read loads of stuff. Yeah. I read, I read, I particularly like, oh, I don't know, books about families, dysfunctional families, things going wrong. Um, oh, I don't know. I quite yeah, like a mystery. On the spot, if you had to choose uh, a book that you've read that you would happily read again. Mm. Like oh, yeah. yeah. What, would you, what would you choose? Oh, my goodness. I've just, I don't know. I'm staring at my bookshelves trying to work, trying to decide. Um, oh, I'd read Atonement again, which yeah. is historical, actually. I'm only just because that's caught my eye. And actually that book, I did sort of semi-read it again because it's, um, for, was it, I can't remember if it's for my first book. I think it was for the first book, actually. Or, so, or maybe it's for the third. I can't even remember now. But I read it, I reread bits of it again and it's just amazing. So I love that book. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh, I'd, there's loads. There's too many. I'd read. I don't have time to read the books. No, I and there's loads of new books. Yeah, I I can't. I can't. Um, I can't. That's too hard. Sorry. (laughs) So well, well, yeah. Sorry, that was maybe too difficult question. A bit there, didn't we? Yeah, Um, you did. Obviously, um, in your first book, there's a flood, and yes, in uh, the Marsh House. It's the big freeze, extreme yeah. event. So, is there, <laughs> is there extreme weather in the third one? No, I needed to get away from that. I was thinking, <laughs> I, I, I really realized, I, I, I really realized, I realized, well, somebody had said to me as soon as I had this idea, even um, early on, and actually, I was quite aware of it myself that that's what I was doing almost. Yeah. And 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 um, I I thought, well, yeah, I need to do a heat wave next or yeah. something like that. But um, I'm I sort of deliberately didn't do that. Although yeah. saying that, the third book is very much based in a time period, a season. It's very autumnal. Yeah. So um, yeah, I've just changed seasons slightly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's where the both first books are both quite wintry actually, and this yeah. uh, I'm, mo- I'm moving backwards to autumn, but oh, uh, I don't know. No, it there's no weather crisis, <laughs> in the third book, thank goodness. Yeah, so a lot too of the writers that we work with are mm. writers who are interested in getting into writing themselves, and oh. you know, we've all been there at some point. You know, just thinking now as a, an established writer yourself, you have two published novels, you sound like you're well into um, <laughs> book three. What bits, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about writing or is starting writing now and maybe feeling a bit uncertain? Yeah. yeah, um. I think the thing that kept me going was having other people to talk to. And so actually what you are doing is one of those things, isn't it? It's a group that you can um, talk to about what you're doing and get the support you need because it's very easy to feel very lonely and and on your own and, um, and to think what, you know, is it worth me doing this? Because um, there are so many, as we were saying earlier, there are so many other pulls on your time. It's really difficult to carve out that time. So um, what I did to start doing that, actually, so I started taking it 
more what I would say more seriously like I I put a lot more time and effort into it when my um, my daughter is now 12 and a half and I started about so about 11 years ago I I, I really when she was little I did a course at this local college and in doing that I met another group of people and we then had a kind of monthly meetup yeah. So that was really informal, but really good for um, sharing writing. So I was beginning to share my writing. And by doing that, it kind of pushed me forward. So I was like, sort of, it made me think I've got somebody to read it then. But, you know, not too critical, but but actually, you know, a bit critical. You know, looking at it in, with, a, with a, um, an eye for Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was the beginning. And then... As time went, and then I actually ended up doing a master's. But as I said, that you know, as you know, those are super expensive. But yeah. was that in creative that, that... writing as well? Yeah, yeah. So after doing the creative yeah. writing, MA, um, did you find that you had that you kind of connected in with another community of writers? Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that and that has endured as well. And then I've done and I did another course afterwards because I was still we drafting the first novel and and struggling to be honest because yeah. i was working um i had the kids and i um you know it was really really difficult i think i tried to get an agent and i hadn't and so you know it's it's hard so i i then um it was sort of carried i did another kind of course this time in Bristol and, and met some new people, some of the same people I, I, um, I'd known from the Masters. So it's, it's a long process, but having people like a, a kind of community of people that you can share your work with is really, really important, I think. Yeah. And so then you were, you were just saying um, you didn't have an, yeah. agent at that, an agent at that time. Was that then kind of your way in then? Did you get? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I got. That's how you got published. Yeah, I got my agent in January 2019, um, and uh, that that was that was for me the real beginning yeah. of it. Um, yeah, and then we um, and then I got my publishing contract, first one. In um, I haven't had a second one yet. We're, ha we're having to well wait and see about that. But yeah, the first one in um, uh, summer 2019. It's really hard to remember now because it yeah. feels like ages ago. Um, but yeah, so before all this happened, before the pandemic, but of course the book came out in the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so hey ho. But um, it, you know, and and so as you you know, and I didn't start the masters till 2015. So you know, this is years and years and years and years. Yeah. Um, I think it was 2011 ish that I started. Um, really uh yeah i started doing a doing the course 2011 i think it was so you know really 10 years ago at least so it it can take a really long time yeah. um but through that i met some brilliant people yeah writing and my writing's got better and i'm learning i'm still learning i think i still i feel like i'm still learning all the time and do you um, think your um like in terms of your sort of writing routine has, mm. that, has that largely the same through that time or have you um yeah routine yeah like what does your day look like what does it yeah the, a writing day in zoe somerville's life look like? ha. yeah <laughs> well it's not as you will know not every day is the same because there'll be days when you have to go and do something completely different but um uh if i'm actually writing i give myself a deadline uh not a deadline sorry a word uh goal but yeah. so um, instead of number of hours that you have to sit at a desk, then it would be a word more like word count. Well, yes, yes, but that's just I give myself. It's quite a minimum one. It's quite minimal. It's five thousand words a week, which is uh, is not 
as much as lots of people. But that's because I, I need to give myself some breathing space in case yeah. it doesn't happen and, and life gets in the way. But also, um, then often you go over it and then you think, woohoo, you feel good about yourself. So it's a, it's a nice feeling, I think. But yeah, no, actually, I do tend to, to be honest, what I tend to do is I tend to write for a certain chunk of the morning when people are at school, um, stop for lunch. Um, this doesn't include exercise and things, but imagine there's a bit of exercise in there sometimes. <laughs> just let's just shove that in. And then, and, and again, I'll do the same in the afternoon, probably stop for a little bit to sort of catch up with other people, but then I may go back and do a bit more. But that depends. It depends on what's happening in that day. Um, so it's not um, a brutal regime and I'm not the sort of person that will stay up all night doing anything ever. Um, I never have been. I'm, I, I don't think I'm particularly productive late at night. I find I'm too tired. So you have to work out what works. Some people are better, aren't they? Yeah. I think some people's body clocks are, are very different. So I, I, I could really... work late at night before I had children. That yeah. used to be my best time. Of yeah. Right. But yeah. Now... Yeah, I feel like everything's just, it's like wading through treacle from age to Yeah, I have always felt like that. I, <laughs> before children, I was I used to be, you know, like a classroom teacher before I had kids and people were working late. I'd be like, no, I stop at eight, which I thought was late. You know, I thought eight o'clock was late. So, yeah. then, you know, that, that was my cutoff always. And then I'd, I, I always end up zoning in front of the telly because I think my brain needs to... Um, uh, you know, dribble out of my ears, really, yeah, rather yeah, than. Definitely. Yeah, I just think I just think with writing, it's so it can be quite intense, can't it? Um, yeah. And I, I think you need to to stop personally. Anyway, that's how I I I don't think I function particularly well. On the other hand, if there's um if you're feeling like I don't know, there's a thing called flow, isn't there? If you're yeah. in a kind of zone where it's really going well, which is rare, I think, actually, being honest. It's quite rare when it's going really well. Yeah. Um, then, but go with that, obviously, great, wonderful. But um, yeah, and but don't don't feel bad. Uh, there are some days when it, it doesn't happen. I think my, I think, and this is my newest theory, that my hormones affect how much I can and can't write as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've recently really noticed that. I think there are just some times of some weeks even when um it's just a bit painful it's just a bit slow and um grinding yeah yeah and that's not, your bum on. not even just writing that it's kind of it's everything, Let everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly but really it's not thing to remember though isn't it yeah. we all have to like listen to listen to ourselves listen to our bodies yes. it's not push yourself to do these things because yes. there's times where you say you will get in the flow and you'll be, yes. you know, you'll have like really productive times. And then there's other times where yes. it's just not happening and maybe yeah. that's when you need to get up from your desk and go find something else. Go and do something else. Go for, go for a walk um, or whatever, <laughs> you know, like actually leave the, and actually leave the house um, yeah. is really important. Um, get, get some fresh air. And actually sometimes ideas will come anyway. When you do that, you can't just, if you're sitting staring and it hasn't happened, uh, you know, that's not, particularly health healthy I don't think really so um yeah I'd get up and go somewhere else I, I get I get I find generally um I unless it's really flowy and wonderful uh, which as I said for me is quite rare really it's 20 minute chunks of time yeah. really and then stop do something else come back uh, That's it, really good advice so thinking about things in terms of shorter periods of time yeah first of things and yeah and then getting up after that I think so. You can, I mean, I don't do this, but you could, 
I don't know how helpful this would be, but I think some people do little, you know, little timers and things like that. Yeah. I, I don't do that because I think I'm a little bit more, um, oh, I don't know, easy come, easy go about it. But I do, I definitely notice that, you know, there's a certain amount you can do. And when it's going well, it's great. You can maybe do longer. Yeah. But but sometimes less, you know, that's the other thing to remember. And that's okay as well. I think you have to, as you say, listen to what 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 your brain is telling you as well as your body. Yeah. Because your brain might be getting your brain might just not be firing quite yeah, that's as my, yeah, that feels like that's my brain 90% of the time. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that's you know, let's there, there and there can be so many reasons for that. It could be that there's other things going on in your life. It could be that you're perimenopausal. It could be that you've got your period. It could be because you're a bit down about something. You know, yeah, there could be yeah. so many things. And I think it's just not not being high, but but being being fairly disciplined and that keeping going, but keeping going in a in a way that's um uh manageable, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a fantastic piece of advice. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure having you. Uh, Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it. Oh, we've loved having you. If we've got listeners who would like to get hold of your books or find you on social media, how would people find you? Um, I'm very easy to find, I think. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I think I'm Zoe Somerville writes on Instagram. And, oh, actually, I'm at Z-E-S Somerville, my initials, on Instagram. uh twitter yeah i'm on there and i've got yeah i think if you google me it comes up brilliant (laughs) well thank you so much for spending some time with us and we're really looking forward to the third book when that comes Ah. out (laughs) thank you guys thanks zoe Bye. bye bye We hope you enjoyed that Writing Around the Kids podcast. For lots of information about writing and writing prompts and tips, have a look at our website, www.writingaroundthekids.co.uk. And search Writing Around the Kids to find us on all our socials. And please like and subscribe to this podcast.